Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to interview Justin Reeder, founder of Love Life Charlotte. He's going to share his heart and how he got involved in the pro-life movement. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Uh, Justin Reeder is the founder of Love Life Charlotte, which is a ministry that does prayer walks at the local abortion clinics here, and then the Lord has really just opened up the door for for all around our state in Raleigh now, in Greensboro, and now ultimately New in New York, and we might talk a little bit about this, about that um, as we kind of progress. But yeah, just introduce yourself real quick. Again, I introduced you, but introduce yourself. Sometimes it's better for people to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Uh, just an ordinary guy, uh, married to a beautiful bride, Jennifer Reeder. Have three kids, five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a nine-month-old. A business guy here in the city. I've had a business for about 14 years. Originally from South Florida, uh, but kind of what started this whole thing was in 2012 when I had some people invite me out to the abortion clinic and yeah. really disrupted my journey. Um, then we launched Love Life in 2016. Yeah. Well, I want to jump right in that because that's sort of why I wanted to talk with you. Uh, not because you're like this big pro-life leader, so to speak, or yeah. like, you know, you've been in this battle for a long time. You're a business guy, right? You're just yep. a business guy going about your business, mm-hmm. making some money, yep. sowing into the kingdom, right? You're mm-hmm. a believer. You love Jesus. And then some guys invite you out to an abortion clinic. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people... I think all Christians, we actually had a podcast last week that me and Vicky did about, can you be pro-choice and a Christian? Yeah. And it's like, we came to the conclusion that you can't. Right. You can't be for abortion and, and, and a Christian. Yeah. And so we, you know, we know that Christians just in general would tend to be pro-life, mm-hmm. at least politically aligned with pro-life things. Mm-hmm. And so most of us think, yeah, if somebody asks us, you're pro-life, right. you would have said yeah, yeah right, before sure. you came to an abortion clinic. Yeah, I mean, that was the camp I was in. I mean, I definitely would have told everybody I was pro-life. And, yeah. You know, but... For whatever reason, man, I just I didn't really think about it that much. I didn't really think, you know, that it was happening on the scale and the magnitude that it was happening in, in my city. But it's when it I came face to face with it is when everything changed. And I related to the story of actually David and Goliath, right? Like David was just delivering pizza to his brothers, yeah, right. That's what I call it. He's bread and cheese. He's yeah, delivering he's pizza. Veggie tails, right? Yeah, yeah, Veggie tails, right? <laughs> I've been watching a lot of that lately. But he's just delivering pizza to his brothers, being obedient to his earthly father. Um, and while he's out doing that, he sees a giant. He yeah. sees a stronghold. Um, and so I was just kind of about my business, um, you know, again, growing a business, raising a family. Uh, but my journey got interrupted when I got this invitation to come out here to the abortion clinic. Yeah. And when I saw this giant in our city, uh, my heart, of course, broke over my own lack of action. I was convicted of that. I knew that needed to change. Um, but my mind just started going to places immediately like, man, I know there's so many churches here in the city. I know I belong to a great church. I believe they would want to be involved with something like this. If they really saw what I saw, I believe yeah. their heart would break. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the Lord just started seeding some things uh, from that very first time out here. Yeah. So one of the focuses for this podcast, and again, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is because you're just like this, you know, the business guy. You didn't go to, you know, formal training as a pastor right. or a ministry leader, and neither did I. But, you know, God mm-hmm. gets us and... 
and and kind of sets us up, yeah. right? In in these situations, that's how the Lord set me up. Is is I came out to an abortion clinic with a uh, children's group at the abortion clinic on Hebron Street, awesome. and the Lord got a hold of my heart. Yeah, and so you've been in this fight for. I mean, yeah, you've been pro life, but as far as like really in the thick of this, mm-hmm. this spiritual battle that is the the pro life issue, the the abortion battle, um, and you got in because someone brought you out to an abortion mm-hmm. clinic. It was actually the Benhams, yeah. but. To really get into the thick of this thing and to really like jump all in like you've done, like what does it take in a in a person's mind? You shared some of that how God got a hold of your heart, but were there like things yeah. in your mind that you're like, hmm, I don't know if I mean, you know, our, my heart is always or not always, but I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of eleven and uh, really began walking deeply with the Lord in my early twenties and and my prayer for many many years have been, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, you know always had a heart for missions and for the least of these. And, and so, you know, that was kind of the, where my heart was when I came to a place like this and I saw such brokenness, I saw such hurt and I saw such need. Yeah. Um, I was, I was broken. And I believe that's the reaction that most people experience when they come here again. Yeah. I think that most Christians are, were like me or, or, or are like me where they, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. They're not really thinking about it. Oh, it's a political issue, which is such a lie. This is a moral issue. Um, and really the question I had to ask myself, and I know it's so simple, but I challenge our, our people that are coming out for prayer walks with us all the time is, do you really believe these are children we're talking about? Right. Ultimately, that's really what it comes down to, right? Because if we really believe these are children we're talking about, we have to live differently. Yeah. I didn't have a choice to go back to my office and just go, go along with my life as normal. Yeah. If I really believe these were children, and my heart is for the things of God and for the things of his kingdom, like, I had to live differently. Yeah. Um, and so, and I believe that's most people's reaction. Those that love God, love people, when they come out here, they see the brokenness, they say, I have to do something. And something just recently I, I shared uh, with you actually yesterday that the Lord has really highlighted for me is, um, you know, I think we most Christians, especially those that are pro-life, would always say, yeah, I, I believe that's a life in the womb. Right. But the reality is most of us don't ever live like that. Yeah. Right. We, we in some ways, um, we think that there is a difference between a child in the womb and the child outside of the womb. But the scripture tells us differently. Um, and we got to stand on God's word in this thing. And uh, one of the scriptures that really has stirred my heart, especially recently, um, is in uh, Luke chapter 1 when it says that the baby leaped in the womb. Talking about Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah. The baby leaped in the womb. Um, and the Greek word for that is parephos. And you jump over to uh, Luke chapter 2 when it's describing Jesus outside of the womb. This angel speaking to the shepherds, describing the baby outside of the womb. Uh, the same exact Greek word is, it is, is to describe the child outside of the womb, uh, the womb, brephos. Yeah. You see it even further along in Luke. I think it's Luke 18 and even in Acts chapter 7. And so we have to stand on the word of God um, that these are children that we're talking about. And God sees zero difference between a child in the womb and a child outside of the womb. And I believe if we can really come to that type of revelation in our life, then we will live drastically different yeah. from, from where we were before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
kind of bring me into because I wasn't there that day. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't the director of Cities for Life when right. you had first come out. Maybe it's 2012. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. 2012. So I came in as as director. I was involved, but came in as a director in 2015. So kind of bring me back to that day mm-hmm. and just a little bit of what you saw. Like yeah. you know, you're standing in front of an abortion clinic. You're obviously not just mm-hmm. looking at a building, and that's what burdens your heart. What right. are, what were some of the things that you were seeing? Yeah, so we're just standing there right across the street um, here on Latrobe in front of the abortion clinic, and um, I saw a packed parking lot. Um, There was a lot of cars there that day, and I was seeing people still coming in, driving in, and as they were driving in, I could just see such brokenness on their face, just hurt, hopelessness, Um, driving into this place, and it just, again, the reality is like a fresh revelation hit me, like, and there's a baby that's in the womb. There's a human being, a child, that is alive when they walk in those doors that I'm seeing right there. And when they exit, a child is gone. That yeah. child has been snatched out of the womb. And it, and it was just for me to see the faces. And I also saw this intense struggle that took place with one mom in the parking lot, right? She gets out of her car and she starts walking into the abortion center and then she walks back out and she walks back in and she walks back out. You could see this struggle of life versus yeah. death. So, so that notion that when a woman comes to an abortion clinic, her mind's already made up. That was right. kind of debunked right away. Yeah, and, and, and I could feel an intense spiritual battle yeah. just being there. I could feel it. I could sense it, but it was literally manifesting itself in the physical right in front of me. Yeah. Um, and so, so these type of things, as I saw these as real lives, they were no longer st- statistics or out of sight, out of mind. I mean, these are human beings. My, my heart began to break for the moms, for the dads, of course, for the children, but even for the workers, people that are, you know, helping perform these abortions. Yeah. I'm like, man, like... Like they've just well, been duped by the, by the right, enemy to like, do this well, thing. They're enslaved in this thing. And so, <clears throat> yeah, it was visually for me as I saw it, and then as I saw Christians that were out there reaching out, Cities for Life was there, help. Pregnancy Care Center Monroe with their mobile unit was out there. Okay. They were yeah. offering real hope, offering real resources to families. I was like, man, I got to team up with that. Like, yeah. we, got, we got to figure out a way to uh, be a part, of, be part yeah. of life in our city. And so, you know, Cities for Life, obviously, we're involved in uh, sidewalk counseling there. We're involved in regular outreach, and that was, again, the folks that you saw reaching out there. But the yeah. Lord really put a burden in your heart mm-hmm. to... Uh, to really get, so, so you have like this handful of people that are there, very mm-hmm. committed, mm-hmm. mostly homeschool moms yeah. that are there reaching out, yeah. and really in the thick of that spiritual yeah. battle. But from what I get from you, your, your thinking was like, okay, this is a bigger issue than just a handful of people yeah. doing something about this thing. Yeah. This is something that we need to come at um, as the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that, yeah. to me, I mean, that's been yeah. your heart. Yeah, we just had a meeting yesterday. You did, you guys headed up a meeting with some local pastors, eighteen different churches mm-hmm. that, that had pastors. You guys have been, I mean, as a ministry, cities are like we've had a hard time yeah. getting churches, getting pastors to come out and to do sidewalk mm-hmm. counseling. It's, a lot of them have, we thank God for them, but yeah. getting into the kind of the the broader church world, you guys have been able to do that yeah. in some ways that I don't think a lot of ministries ever imagined it would even be possible. Yeah. So, so. Talk to me a little bit about sort of your burden for the church and and the church being involved in this thing. Yeah, well, first off, I mean, just we were I was encouraged and inspired to do more by seeing the faithful remnant that was already there. You know, families like yours, the Benhams, Vicky, so many others that you know had just jumped in and were doing everything they could uh, to bring life to these families. And I really believe that that remnant has plowed a hard ground. Yeah. 
Um, and we're really reaping, we're seeing some things that are happening because of the, the ground that was plowed by groups like Cities for Life and so many faithful families that were out here when nobody else knew about yeah. Latrobe. Nobody else knew about the abortion clinic. You guys were continuing to be faithful day after day. You've been doing this for, what, 12, 13 years? Yeah, since, two th- since, yeah. since 2005. So yeah, yeah and so, man, just honor you, bro. Like You've inspired me, my family, so many others. Uh, but I knew that you... It wasn't just the work for you guys to do. Like yeah. this is for the body of Christ, right? Yeah, um, and it's too much to shoulder just for a handful of families. And so the Lord, yeah, began doing a work in me of just you know how can we bring in the Church of Jesus Christ as a whole in this city to activate them, to give them a vehicle to experience what I experienced. You know, seeing it being yeah. broken over the issue. Um, and then being led with compassion to actually do, you know, real things that need to be done in our city, hard things to lay our lives down so that others can live. And so that's, you know, another thing that I just remember from that day, I remember thinking, man, if 30 people were dying in a local elementary school or middle school, whatever you want to put on it, right? If that was happening, this thing would be national news in a matter of seconds the FBI, the SWAT, everybody would be running to the scene. Yeah. And I even believe the local church would be running to the scene oh, in yeah. those scenarios, right? To bring healing, uh, to bring protection to those families. Um, and so again, as I came to the revelation that this is a ch- these are children we're talking about. God sees zero difference between the, the kids in the womb and the kids outside of the womb. I said, how come we're not running to the scene in greater numbers? Um, because we have people that are dying in this building six days a week. And we don't know where else that's going to take place, right? We don't know right, when the yeah. next school shooting is going to take place. We don't know when the, the, the next homicide is going to take place or where it's going to happen. But we do know where around 20 to 30 children are going to die every day in our city. So therefore, we should be running to the scene. And so this is just a burden that the Lord began putting in my heart. Um, and then fast forward to 2015 is when the Lord really downloaded the strategy uh, for what that looks like. Yeah. And a little bit of that strategy. Yeah. So just again, this was in a season of just seeking the Lord. And um, I remember the, the kind of yeah. the first email that came through. Yeah. I think you, you sent it to David and David sent it to me or, Probably, or he yeah. sent it to both, both of us. It's like, here's this strategy. Yeah. And it's like this, this dude like has gotten something from the Lord. Like yeah. he's gotten something kind of laid out here. So yeah. Yeah. I remember it was August 20th, 2015. I was on my living room floor and just seeking the, the face of God and uh, felt him speak very clearly to me that day. I've called you to the least of these and I've called you to be a voice for the voiceless. Yeah. And, you know, again, this had already, the seed had already been planted in my heart and we had gotten involved, you know, with some, some things here locally. Um, but we actually had plans. We thought we were going to do international missions. Okay. As, as a family, we thought that the Lord was potentially even calling us to sell the business and do some things internationally. Um, but the Lord had different plans for us. And, and uh, again, that, that's the word that he spoke to me. And then following that, about over the course of a week, God just started waking me up in the middle of the night. Um, I wasn't able to sleep that much. And during that time, just started journaling the things that the God was putting in my heart. Um, and that's what became Love Life, the things that he was downloading to me during, over that course of the week. And um, it took me into the book of Nehemiah, and a lot of the strategy came from Nehemiah. Yeah. Um, and so the whole mission is uniting and mobilizing the church. Yeah. Uh, we believe the church is the key element here to create a culture of love and life that would result to an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. And so what we, what we always say is we believe God's called the church to shape the culture. Politician, legislation that's downstream, they're yeah. going to follow the culture. Right. 
We want to create a culture where families stop running to local abortion clinics for the answer, and they start running to the local church. Yeah. And again, we're just standing on the Word of God, Matthew 16, 18 says, The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's, the church is so key here in Matthew 16, 19, that he's given us the keys to the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, we loose in heaven. It says, co-laboring with the Lord that he desires. I fully believe God wants to see abortion in more than we do. Yeah. He's just been waiting for his bride. Been waiting He's been waiting for the, for the church, church yeah. to co-labor with him in this mission. You know, something some Flip yeah. says, which is like a classic quote, is abortion won't end in this country until the yeah. church of Jesus Christ decides yes. that it will. And I believe yeah. that's a true statement. I, I, absolutely. And Flip was there that day when I first came out in 2012. And okay. I, I believe he shared that with me then and just started seeding some things in my heart of, you know, the the importance of the local church yeah. and getting involved in this thing. And so uh, that, that's the mission of Love Life. We've, we uh, use a vehicle. Um, it's just a vehicle to mobilize a church of what we call a 40-week journey of hope. Yeah. Um, and again, this was part of the strategy that the Lord downloaded. But the 40 weeks is, you know, the time from conception to birth. And we give each partnering church, at least, we ask them to take at least one week out of the 40 weeks. Many take multiple weeks. But we say take at least one week to mobilize your people through what we call Adoption Week. And in Adoption Week, uh, we walk your people through four steps. We want them to hear, pray, go, and connect. So the hear piece is education, right? Mm -hmm. we got to know really what's happening in our backyard. Most people don't know, as I didn't know, oh, yeah. that abortion is the leading cause of death in our city. Most people are completely unaware. When I share that stat in churches, they're like, what? Yeah. More death is happening through abortion than cancer or heart disease or anything else. Yeah. Probably um, all of those combined. Yeah, that's really. the reality yeah. of what's happening in our cities. These are children that we're talking about. And then, of course, you know, what does God's word say about life? And But we don't stop there. That's just step one. It's typically a lot of times where we have stopped as, as a church right, yeah. in the past. And we call the church to prayer and fasting on, on their Wednesday of their adoption week. Uh, because we believe this is a spiritual battle that must be fought with spiritual weapons. And when we pray and we fast, it aligns our heart with the Father's heart. Um, so it's a critical element. Mark 9, 29, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. Um, but then, again, we don't stop at step two. We, we say we got to go to step three, which is we want a prayer walk. We want to go to the brokenness in our city. And we yeah. want to do a prayer walk. And so we do that for 40 weeks from 9 to 11 um, in the morning is the prayer walks. When people come, they we try to make it as turnkey as possible. So yeah, as, as sure. people show up, you know, they're greeted by volunteers. They help people parking their cars. They come in. They get a free Love Life T-shirt. They get the wristband. They get our prayer card that has our code of conduct on it. Um, and then for two hours, we worship, we pray, uh, we use the weapons that God has given us. Those things, the Word of God, testimonies. Um, and we allow people to have that moment that I had right, yeah. in 2012 to see it for themselves, let the Lord break their heart. And then at the end of the prayer walk, um, we say, it's great that you've heard and you've prayed and you've come today, but now we're, we're asking you to begin the rebuilding process here in our city to get connected beyond the prayer walk, which is step four. The rebuilding, you mean that connection with Nehemiah and yeah, rebuilding the wall. Yeah, rebuilding the wall. You yeah. know, so what, what is your place on the wall? Like, you know, are you called to be a sidewalk counselor with Cities for Life? Are you called to be a mentor for a mom or dad that's made the choice for life, right? I, I see, you know, sidewalk counseling and front lines ministry a lot like a rescue system. Yeah. Like you're helping snatch people out of the fire. It's a critical, critical element. Yeah. And if you feel called to that, great. Get trained up and get, get in the fight. 
but some might be called more of the rehabilitation yeah, process, sure. right? The mentoring element of saying, hey, you know, we're, we're not here just to tell you that there's help available for you. We want to connect you into a local church with a mentor that's going to walk with you. So some are called to be mentors. Some are called to sidewalk counsel. Some are called to foster or adopt. We believe this is a big part of the culture shift. Yeah. You got to care about the orphan in the womb and also the orphan well, outside. One of the, of the womb. dynamics, too, you know, I'll just jump in here real quick yeah. is that if you talk to women that come to an abortion clinic, I don't know what the statistic is, you might know, but a lot of these women that come to an abortion clinic are were in the foster care system yeah. themselves and, and, and sort it's a of. Cycle. Yeah, it's like there's a cycle that can be broken. So if yeah. we can get into the foster care system and bring the gospel to these kids. When they're young, then they won't end up there. But yeah, I'm exactly. Sorry. I mean, in, in North Carolina, there's 12,000 kids in the foster care system. That fluctuates, you know, of course, but around 12,000 kids in the foster care system, about 2,000 of those kids are clear and free for adoption immediately, just waiting for a mom and a dad that will adopt them. And most people are unaware, just as I was, that there's zero cost financially to adopt one of those kids. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're adopting a kid out of the foster care system. So, you know, we believe this is the role of the church. This is not the role of government. Um, Psalm 68, 5 tells us that a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He takes the lonely and he sets them in families. Yeah. So we always challenge the church. I don't, that we say, we don't believe God's calling us to build more orphanages. He's calling us to adopt more kids. Yeah. And the church is the answer for that. And if, if the light doesn't disciple these kids, the darkness gladly will. Oh, yeah. And so to your point, as we bring these kids into godly homes, not just any home, into godly homes, uh, we can really begin to see the culture shift. Yeah. And so th- this is, again, Adoption Week. Hear, pray, go, connect. Um, this is how we mobilize the church. This all comes out of Nehemiah. Yeah. Nehemiah went on the same exact journey. He heard the tragedy that was happening in Jerusalem. That's where Nehemiah 1 begins. His brother comes and shares with him about the brokenness in Jerusalem. So we educate people. Then he turned to prayer and fasting, which is step two. Yeah. But he didn't stop there. And I think a lot of times, again, as Christians, we kind of stop there. Um, and Because, listen, we believe in the, the power of prayer. Right. Prayer and fasting is the backbone of our, of our campaign. But we also are called to lay our lives down as 1 John 3, 16 and 18 tells us to do. And so uh, we see Nehemiah, he leaves his palace where he was, and he goes to the brokenness, to Jerusalem, where the brokenness is. And that's what we're saying to the church. It's time for us to leave our palaces and to go to the brokenness of our city, which is the prayer walk. That's the the prayer walk element that happens every Saturdays. And then the rebuilding begins yeah. after that. In chapter 3, Nehemiah chapter 3, the rebuilding process begins. And we see a beautiful picture of unity in chapter right, 3, yeah. uh, which is the Father's heart, we know. Uh, we see that the Levites stood next to the priest, the priest stood next to the merchant, the merchant next to the goldsmith. And so we're calling for the church um, to do the same, for the Baptists to stand next to the Presbyterians, Presbyterians next to the Pentecostals, Pentecostals next to non-denomination, as well as other parachurch organizations, because it's the united body of Christ that's going to break the stronghold of abortion in yeah. the city. And so that's the mission. Uh, that's the download that the Lord has given us. We've been doing it for about three and a half years. Yeah. We're here in Charlotte, Greensboro, and Raleigh now, and we launch in New York City yeah, later this year. Which is which is amazing. Uh, that you're going to launch there in New York. Talk yeah. real quick, if, if you could, because I know there's going to be people that will listen to this podcast. You know, It's called Gospel-Centered Pro-Life. Yeah. And, and what I get from you and, and anyone within our ministry, anyone within mm-hmm. the pro-life movement that, that yeah. I'm connected with, 
if you ask them why they're pro-life, they're going to go right to Jesus, the gospel. Yeah. God yeah. changed my heart. Yeah. He got a hold of my heart for this mm-hmm. issue, and I'm doing it because of what he's done in my yeah. heart. So that's that's what I'm getting from you, which, yeah. is, which is awesome. But there's going to be people that listen to this podcast that are thinking like, okay, I'm out here on the sidewalk, or I'm here in a pregnancy center, and I'm doing this work, and I just don't feel like anybody's coming along. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the church has risen up in my city. Mm-hmm. How in the world are they able to do it there? And you mm-hmm. kind of said, well, we, we, we got this package thing that we yeah. bring to a pastor, and we, we, we uh, share it with them, and they can get on board, and they get mm-hmm. on board, and they come out and they do the prayer walks. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the things, because some you know people aren't going to be able to, people aren't going to be able to sure. do that but together yeah. a package thing but they can still encourage people yeah. to pray so what are the th- some of the things that you've learned that you can say to a pastor to really get his heart i know some of it's mm-hmm. going to be some of the stuff you've already said but there are, are there are there barriers um, you know, I'll just share real sure. quick. There's barriers as far as I'm concerned when I yeah. speak to a pastor. Mm-hmm. When I say, hey, we go out to an abortion clinic and we offer help and hope in the yeah. name of Jesus, they think, oh, you're those yeah. people that stand in front of an abortion clinic, yeah. hold up pictures of dead babies and yell at women. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And so I have to tear that yep. stigma down. I have yep. to have to come after that thing right mm-hmm. away. Are yeah. you, you get some of that? And, and Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, that's definitely kind of the stigma that most pro-life you know, ministry is viewed in, especially if it's done at an abortion clinic. Yeah. Um, and so... What we've what we've done, and, and we started small, man. Our very first prayer walk, we had 22 people. You were yeah, there. You remember? I remember yeah. Um, and and just we we started with you know those that were close to us. Of course, my own pastor. Yeah. You know, my pastor Jeff was all in from the very yeah, beginning. He's a good brother. Um, yeah. And so just I would encourage people to start with your pastor, start with your church, start with people maybe that you know are are your friends and their church, um, but. The, the easiest way that we have found to onboard churches um, to get them involved in pro-life work is say, come with me for one hour to the abortion clinic. We call it a one-hour journey. Yeah. That's what we call it. Um, and they come out for one hour, and we do something very similar that was done with me in 2012. Yeah. It's a simple invitation um, to for people to come out, see it for themselves, um, so I would, I would bring people out, we educate them, we let them know how many abortions are happening every day, how many abortions are happening every week, because most pastors don't know that. Um, another staggering thing that most pastors are unaware of is that these are private businesses, for the most part, except for the Planned Parenthoods and a few others, but these are privately owned businesses that are bringing in millions of dollars a year doing nothing but abortions. Yeah. So we educate these people in this one hour, and then we just spend time in prayer together. Yeah. Just say, let's let's pray, man. There's there's lives on the line. We're standing between the living and the dead right now. And in that time, in that moment of education, awareness, and prayer, God begins to break the heart of the shepherds and the pastors in our city. Um, and then at the end of it, typically they want to know, all right, what do I need to do? Let's, yeah. Let's do yeah. something. So you, you basically... Like the Lord set you up, yeah, right. Exactly. And the Lord set me up in that scenario. You're kind of setting them up for the Holy Spirit to do His work. That's right. You know, I mentioned yeah. yesterday to, to you and Andre. Andre is the uh, the city director here in Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, about how the prayer walks really, in my mind, are a short term mission trip. Yep. Yep. No one goes on a full term mm-hmm. mission like sells everything and goes out to the Philippines or, or China or whatever right. without typically without having first gone out on a short term mission, get mm-hmm. their heart. Yeah. Really, uh, you know, from the Lord, get their heart changed for that mm-hmm. that city or that that uh, village or that country yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of what you're doing with these for pastors sure. and with these these individuals, kind of exposing them to the thing where it takes place. 
and letting the Holy Spirit do His work. That's it. Yeah, I think that's that's right on the money. And we hear from pastors all the time that the church that I brought out to the prayer walk is a completely different yeah. congregation that I brought back after the prayer walk. And that's what short-term mission trips do, right? Yeah. I mean, it oh, stirs yeah. up not just for pro-life work, but really anything. I mean, just sure. serving in the nursery. You know, you know, their congregation wants to serve in in more ways after you know, this short-term mission trip. Yeah. Um, that's the same with the pastors. And so I would encourage people to do that, just, you know, a simple invitation, you know. Kind of start with the people that you have. Yeah, yeah. the people in your, your network that's a already. That's good word, I, you know. And, and, and be educated. Educate yourself on it first. So as you stand there, you're able to educate them on what's happening. The abortions are happening on these days. You know, typically this amount of people are here, you know, so that you can share that information with these pastors or whoever you're taking out there. Spend time in prayer. Um, and, and I would say kind of a next phase of that is if you decide to go beyond that, um, doing the best that you can to really create a vehicle or a turnkey package for people to get involved in this work. Uh, one of the pastors yesterday um, gave um, what, we, what we take as an incredible compliment because we work so hard on this element. He said, man, I just want to just say that uh, you know, what you guys have done to activate us, our body, our church, um, and pro-life ministry, what you have really done for us, you've made it doable. Yeah. You've made it doable. It just kind of seemed kind of, you know, like it was going to be such a big mountain to climb. Um, but the way it's been packaged, you've made it doable for us. And so yeah. any things that you can do um, to, to make it a turnkey opportunity for people to serve, I think you'll have more success. Yeah. What are some of the some of the obstacles, though, as you talk to pastors, you share with, you know, with people who... You know who you want to get involved. You know you want them to. You want their heart for this yeah. thing. What are some of the obstacles? You know, you've answered that a little bit. What are some of the obstacles that, that maybe you've you've faced that you hadn't talked about? Yeah, it's um, a good question, man. I mean, I think you know honestly, most of us, if we just get down to it, you know, the, really boil it down, we're we're just really selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we just really right, kind yeah. of say how it is. So right, the flesh is a big yeah. obstacle. Yeah. Um, and and so. And also, along with that, I think also we've become numb in a lot of ways to this. Like, I'm 34 years old, so I grew up in a culture of death. Yeah. Meaning that abortion was always legal, on demand. It's all I ever known. Yeah. Um, and so I think for a lot of us, we just have grown up with this always being the case. And in some ways, we kind of just think it always is going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, first, versus understanding the time that we live in and saying we're going to stand against the cultural tide of our day. Uh, but I think it's, you know, kind of the numbness, the callousness towards the issue in a lot of ways, uh, but then also just the selfishness that yeah. a lot of us carry. And so, but I think you break a lot of that down by doing what I said earlier, mm -hmm. getting people out there. You get them out there. You get yeah. them out there. Yeah. Let, let well, God break their heart. One of the, one of the challenges, and I know you've, you've encountered this as well as you talk to just pastors, but also to just individual Christians, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we have this issue called abortion. Yeah. They're taking innocent lives. Yeah. You get the political pushback, like, this is a political thing, and I don't yeah. really want to deal with politics. For you sure. You ever get that? Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, we, we do. Honestly, we don't deal with it once we get people out to the abortion clinic, hardly at all. Right, yeah. It's like that almost erases so many things. Um, but kind of prior to that, you get that more, and very seldom we'll get it after. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, just hitting that head on and just, you know, challenging people to say, look, this is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. Um, just because politicians talk about the poor doesn't make 
poverty political. Yeah. I mean, politicians talk about the poor all the time, but no pastor would say that the issue of the poor is political. Right, yeah. And so in some way, Satan has, like, deceived us um, into thinking that this moral issue is political. Um, And and, and also, we, we see in Scripture, I mean, you know, that... John the Baptist spoke to the political leaders of his day, and it cost him his head. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where we get that we shouldn't speak even to things that are in the political realm, um, but just— well, It's a cop-out. Yeah, know, just to back up, that. I mean, it, it's not a political issue. These are children that we're talking about. These are people that are dying. Um, in the same way of when slavery was happening in the mid-1800s, um, you know, when black people were being hung from trees, um, you know, yep— yeah, Politicians were talking about that all the time, but would we as the church today say that slavery is a political issue? No, we wouldn't. Right. I mean, yeah. these are children. These are children of God that we're talking about. Um, and so I just would challenge that thinking in a loving way. I'd be very graceful about it, point people to Scripture, and just walk them through it. Yeah. So just about five more minutes before we wrap up, but I did want to ask you a question because, you're, you're, again, you're new to the pro-life yeah. movement as far as some— uh, are concerned. Uh, you know, there have been people, like we mentioned Flip Benham earlier, yep. who's been in this thing for, you know, 30-plus years. You have other amazing. people, even within yep. our ministry, who've been in this thing longer than I have, yep. which is amazing. But being kind of new on the pro-life scene, mm-hmm. um, are there some things within the pro-life movement? Now, not to be critical. Obviously, yeah. we can't, you're not going to criticize everybody. You should be doing this. You should right. be doing that. And I know you're, you just, that's just not your heart. It's not my heart either. But are there things you think that we could do better? Are there things that you think that the pro-life movement has sort of failed on? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just any constructive yeah. uh, criticism that I mean, be- again, I just begin with, I, I have seen families like yourself and the Benhams and Flip and the Heldress and so many others that have really paved the way, and I think in so many ways for this, um, you know, tilled that hard ground. And I really believe we're getting to stand on your shoulders today in, in many ways. Um, but... Uh, you know, the Lord just gave, again, I didn't come in with, you know, like being raised up in front of an abortion clinic or anything like that. I had an amazing family that always led me and, and taught me the things of God and lived it out in the home. But I wasn't raised like your kids been raised in front of an abortion clinic. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just came into it with a fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, and again, it was a download uh, from heaven, really. But uh, I just believe that... Uh, as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, that we have the hope, we have the answers. Um, and, and so therefore, God is calling us, the church, to do hard things. Um, if, if there's one message I can give to the church, um, and it's people in pro-life as well, um, he's calling us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. That, that is the call that he is giving us here today. And so for those in the pro-life movement, maybe you've been doing it for many, many years. I just want to encourage them to keep going, number yeah. one. Just keep going, keep going. We will see an end to this thing. Yeah. We will. And we'll look back on this thing um, and say, remember when. And our children will grow up, I believe, in, in a country and in a nation that uh, respects life once again. So my main encouragement for them is to keep going. The other piece I would say that I think is critical, I know I'm not answering your question directly, but I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm giving an overall understanding of this is that there's many different parts of the body and God has de- designed them in all many different ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what we do um, in the pro-life movement or whatever else you want to put it across the body of Christ is we criticize one another because 
because we don't match up maybe with that gifting. Right? Yeah. If my gifting is mercy and your gifting is the prophetic edge, um, then I'm going to cast my gifting through my lens upon you, right. expecting you to operate out of the gifting of mercy as well. Um, and I think a lot of times vice versa is always true. The person with the prophetic edge is looking through their lens and casting their gifting upon the, the rest of the body of Christ yeah. versus honoring each other's giftings, respecting each other's giftings and saying, man, I'm thankful that there's many different parts in the body. Again, he's told us that some are the eyes, some are the ear, some are the nose, some are their hand. And so I think at the heart of it, man, that's a really th- key thing for us to catch in the pro-life movement, in the church as a whole is to honor each other's giftings, recognize them. Um, it's because it, when they all come together, that's when we experience the fullness yeah. of the body of yeah, Christ. Absolutely. Um, other than that, man, I just would say that um, engaging the local church is a critical thing. Yeah. I know most pro-life groups try to do that, but um, versus being frustrated by the local church and yeah. saying, I'm just going to do it all then, forget yeah. about it. Like We're going to launch this parachurch, parachurch organization. We're going to do it all. Find a way to come alongside the local church, to equip the local church, to give them the tools that are needed to accomplish the mission Yeah. Uh, versus us just kind of carrying it ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, that's a good word. And uh, I think we'll, we'll end with that. I appreciate sure. you. Appreciate you coming, on, brother. Bro. Appreciate what this the Lord's is... doing through uh, through you guys. I'm actually going to have Andre on hopefully in a couple of couple of weeks Let's to talk it. about prayer and worship in yes. front of an abortion clinic because a lot of people don't think about yeah. prayer and worship. And he's really got a heart That's for worship. Heart, man. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about that with him, but I appreciate you coming. Thank appreciate you, all you guys who watch and who are listening. I hope you're encouraged by these episodes. We're going to keep putting out episodes uh, really centered around pro-life issues in light of the gospel. Um, if you want to connect with us as a ministry, again, this is not to promote Cities for Life. This is just for us to to help you guys, to help equip you guys. But you can connect with Cities for Life with uh, at charlotte.citiesforlife.org. And then we also have a, a website that's really national to encourage people. It's not you know trying to get people to come under our banner or anything like that. It's just an equipping website, and that is uh, Sidewalks for Life. Sidewalks the number four at life.com. And there's a lot of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, their website is lovelife.org, yep. and you can go and just see what God's doing through them. If you're in Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte, if you're in New York, coming New York in City. September, yep. right, New York City, they're mm-hmm. going to do start prayer walks there, so you can get on board with those prayer walks and see what God is doing through that. We yep. just want to encourage you guys. We appreciate all you who are serving the Lord in whatever yep. capacity He's called you to, and we pray for God's blessing over you. Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I just want to say that, and, and this is not because you're here. I say this a lot, but... Cities for Life is one of the greatest Frontlines ministries in the nation. If you haven't connected with Frontlines Ministry or Sidewalk Counseling, I want to encourage you to get connected with Cities for Life. And they've done incredible work of putting together online training, as you mentioned earlier, the Sidewalks for Life. So tap into it. These guys have been in it for a long time. They've learned a lot. There's a lot of do's and don'ts in those trainings. So, man, thankful for Cities for Life. Thankful for your leadership, bro. By God's grace, Yeah. yeah. Amen. All right. God bless. Use me, Lord.